What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. What's up? What's cracking? We uh, we have the store finally up and available. You can find it at theplayingonpodcast.com. Uh, there's a little section in there. You can find all of our merch. And let me know what you think. If you see anything you like, if you don't, that's okay. You can still support the podcast. Uh, we have a Patreon as well. Uh, patreon.com slash the playing on podcast and we're just trying to get out there and we're trying to grow we're trying to put some more stuff on the uh, on the website on the merch store Uh, if you have any suggestions or what you would like to see as far as um, you know material stuff please let me know and we'll get it up there i know things are kind of crazy right now with availability supply and just prices are going through the roof um Oh, and speaking of, thank you to everybody who purchased a H2K LV 1.6. Dude, they went in like five minutes. It was insane. I don't even know if it was that amount of time. It was just, uh, it was it was amazing. It was very cool to see. I'm um, super humbled that people enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the graphic. The marker is amazing. Um, so being able to put that uh, 3.5 design and kind of retro it back onto an LV was uh, was really cool and I know that we have the GO4s uh, in the works right now and that's about all I know about that I don't have any dates I don't have anything else any other information really about that but um, yeah thank you everybody so much for the support it's uh, it's been great and we're just gonna keep chugging we're gonna keep doing this I'm, I'm really trying to kind of build out the H2K brand and bring that back and just uh, you know add more and more things to it you know hopefully come out with some headbands here soon um you know more merch more wearables stickers coming soon you know anything and everything that you guys uh pack bands all kinds of great stuff so make sure you keep an eye out uh i'll have stuff up on the uh the podcast site i'm probably going to be making an h2k site here soon and we're just going to keep trying to grow it i mean you know that's all you all you can do but uh thank you everybody appreciate it and uh, on this episode we have Tom Cole I'm sure everybody has a million questions out there I tried to think of as many as I could in as many scenarios as I could and uh, it was a great conversation I, th- I think it was awesome to be able to sit down and and really hear it from her, his perspective because he's always always getting attacked about everything I can't imagine being in a position like that to where it's just a constant barrage of just ridicule and people agreeing on one side and disagreeing no matter what decision you make or what you do to try and help the sport grow the sport make the NXL bigger you're not doing enough or you're doing too little or you're you're doing this you should be doing that and it's just I just it sounds stressful but I mean He's got some, you know, some thick skin, and uh, he does a great job, I think. And uh, since he is a, you know, a player, at one point in time, he still is. He's still playing ten mans and everything. But um, he wants, he wants what's best for the sport, and you know, he has a job to do, and it's a tough one. So I, I think he's doing great, and I really commend him for it. So, um, so yeah, no more blabbing. Here is the podcast with Tom Cole.
Um, first off, thank you for doing this. Oh no, thanks for asking. Yeah, I appreciate it. I was uh, I was nervous there. I didn't know if we'd be able to get on the same page or not. Yeah, I've been sick, and um, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, you're saying you had like strep throat or something. Yeah, yeah. It's all the perks of being married to a nurse. She, uh, as soon as I started getting sick, she prescribed it, sent me to the doctors, got a prescription, and hopefully I'm on the last ends of it. So. Yeah, I did. I'm. I still can't believe. Uh, you know what happened at uh, in Chicago and everything, and 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 on top of that, that it was y- your uh, your wife. Oh yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's my wife. Yeah, yeah. She just like comes out of nowhere, saves uh, Cody's life, and then I like I see her then handing out medals at the end. I'm like, what the, what is going on? And then sure as shit, it's your wife. <laughs> yeah, we like we like to be multi talented. I really only have one talent, but. Uh... Yeah, everybody else around me needs to be multi-talented to pick up the slack. So, does she go to uh, all the events? As a yeah, she goes. All, she's actually our medic um, at all the events. So, NXL as well. Yep, NXLs as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's some scary moments, man. You see all these. Um, you know, you have the normal ones where people, you know, heat stroke, and then uh, you know, some dislocated shoulders and fingers and everything like that, but you know the the seizure ones and the those kind of episodes are are scary yeah that one scared me um i mean that was probably the the most dangerous thing we've ever had happen at a paintball event yeah so and then i think earlier was it earlier last year too was uh chris cole had like something like that he did yep yep he had a heart attack i believe it was a heart attack yeah um at a practice that's so insane we're not getting any younger no, we're definitely not getting any younger. And luckily, I've had a 10-man classic league that's uh, definitely a medical emergency thing. Hold on. Hold on. My <laughs> wife just walked in for some reason. Hello. Stuck. You're stuck in the mud? Mm-hmm. Can I use your car? Yeah, you can use my car. <laughs> Keys are over there at the counter. Sorry. No, it's all right. Everybody gets stuck in the mud every now and then. Especially in Georgia. We're in Georgia right now. What's the weather like in Georgia right now? It's like 70, 80 today. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. So, uh, about these, uh, the 10-man the, the leagues or the, uh, some people call them the old man leagues. I didn't, I didn't say that. Yep. Other people are calling them that. But, I mean, you have all these guys that are coming out of the woodwork that are just, you know, playing like they're 20 years old again. Yeah, it's hard on the body, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's a neat thing. It's actually, this is one of my favorite stories. A guy named Aaron Moore, who I don't know if you know who Aaron Moore is, but he worked for Paint Magazine and he, 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 he lived with me back in the day and, uh, kind of played on back up a little bit, but so he hasn't been around in 20 years and I brought him back out to Badlands. I convinced him to come check it out mm-hmm. at, to the ICPL and he walks in and he's like, it's amazing what you've done with the place. It's the same goddamn people, same location, same everything. And I'm like, no, it hasn't been like this for 20 years. This, this is cool. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, exact same people, Mikey Bruno and Rennick and, you know, the all the people, you know. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, and just to be able to see everybody um, with a big smile on their face. I mean, I, I say this all the time, too. It's like I've never seen so many people limping from field to field that I do at these diamond tournaments. I mean, for myself sure. included. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's no joke. Yeah, it's no joke. We're older than we used to be. We, uh, 
you know, we still can think the moves that we got to do, right? But the body doesn't always want to do it. Yeah. And, and the ground's a little rough, right? We got spoiled a little bit by playing on, you know, you know, it, it, the I watched a video of us playing in like Vegas, right? And I got all that grief for Philly, right, about the ground, which I'm not defending the ground. But that ground's a dream compared to what we used to play <laughs> and, and even compared to what the ICPLs are played on or any of the classic formats, right? So Yeah. So what what is the story behind Philly? What was that whole uh, situation about? I mean, was it was it just not you, you, ready you in time? You could call it a disaster. You could call it a disaster. Well, I mean— No, I, I, we—, I mean, we um, so one, a lot of times when we pick a venue, right, we're pot committed, right? Right. So I went and looked at the property um, and it, it, you know, it had pretty good grass cover. And I talked to the city and the city's like, we're going to go ahead and plant new grass. And I guess they went in and kind of like started from scratch. So they like got rid of the shitty grass and planted new grass. But the person they hired to plant it, planted it like crops, like corn, like <laughs> corn. And when they sent me videos of it, um, one, they hadn't mowed it yet, and they took pretty strategic videos. I'm going to give them some points for this, right? Yeah. They took pretty – if you look at the video that I got, you would have no idea that it looked like that. But mm -hmm. when they mowed it, it made it worse. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a shitty situation. Well, I mean, obviously you're committed, and you can't – you are at a point of no return in, in some aspects when you – Well, we we tried. Um, you know, we, we – um, I called everyone that I knew. We tried to go back to Atlantic City. We called every venue. I, mm -hmm. I actually physically drove to the soccer fields across the street, and the guy like didn't even let me in. Was like, "Oh hell no, you're not you're not doing that to my soccer fields." <laughs> I seen what you guys do to a paintball <laughs> venue. Um, so he was privy. So, yeah, yeah. So no, he knew. I mean, uh, so when you initially looked at the fields to begin with, it was like it was okay grass, but they ended up pulling all of that grass up and planting so their own? So they graded it. They graded it. So they went and, like, graded the grass, graded yeah. the ground, and turned it to dirt, and then put it, grass back on top of it. And you knew they were doing this? Not really. Like, when he said he was going to seed it, I just thought he meant he was going to add seed some down. seed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, by any means, am I a grass guy. Um, so that's what I thought. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know. And I, I just heard, you know, I, I was on the end of seeing everybody give you shit about it. I'm like, well, I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, we can laugh about it now, right? And and it's like you said, I, I saw in an earlier video where it's like it, it made for some pretty cool videos. I mean, or some, you know, pictures and whatnot. But yeah, the dust was really neat when people kicked it up, you know, but um, yeah. Because we, we've all played on worse, right? I mean, one, we've all played on worse, but we go to these national events and we, we expect this high level of everything but there's there's also a wall that we hit where it's like you just have to like it is what it is kind of a thing where it's like you know we tried and yeah, it just didn't end up the way we thought it's interesting like i've had this epiphany over the past couple months right like so even like um so we've done some stuff like one time jason who does our layouts right he mm -hmm. you know he did, he did a layout without a traditional snake side one time and you know you, you see us just get destroyed online and then even even at the ICPLs, people are like, this feels not classic enough, you know what I mean? And I'm like, whatever happened to like it being gladiator, right? Enough. Like like you show up and this is what you got. And it's going right. to be 10 on 10 or 5 on 5 and you make it work the way it is, right? That was one of the cool things about paintball. And I, I didn't even notice we had gotten away from that, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you read our rules, it doesn't say anywhere that we're going to play on a mirrored surface in on grass, you know what I mean? It just says, right. you know, whatever. So we've created an expectation that – 
you know, we all know what the expectation is, but we've right. created that expectation. So I, I think it's kind of enlightening that I was like, yeah, we never really promised there's going to be a snake <laughs> and a Dorito side. There just always has been. Um, yeah. So uh, about the fields, is there any kind of, uh, let's say from a personal standpoint, what would you prefer? Would you prefer going to a, a tournament two weeks beforehand practicing the fields or would you want to like be surprised at what the field layout's going to be that's a good question um me personally i like to walk the fields right Mm -hmm. um but that's because you know that's my skill set right i think i'm good at walking fields right um if i was newer team that i think i would want to have the layout for two weeks and get to practice it like i i go out of my way at the icpls to make sure you don't People can't play the exact field the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I can only obviously do so much to the woods. But even like Rennick, who it's his park, doesn't even really know where the flag stations are going to be and how it is. And yeah. I know I'd frustrate the hell out of him because I change everything. Because he spends <laughs> a lot of time up there thinking about where he wants the field and how he wants to do it and mm-hmm. build some bunkers. And they're like, all right, we got to move that one over yeah. here, you know. And he's, you know, he's super cool about everything. But I'm sure he gets frustrated sometimes. But um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's um. I think I feel the exact same way because I really think that with an or you see a lot more organic moves I feel like happen and and come to fruition when a team has to walk the field the day before and right and I don't know what it is about like having the ability two weeks beforehand of of having teams play it and just repetitively you know play the field and play the field and you get these shots down and everything obviously there are small differences when it comes down to the actual field that you're gonna play. But I think there's just this element of, I mean, I don't even know what you want to call it, but but it's it's this uh, organic feel to it. When you get to a, a tournament and you don't know, you're seeing a field for the first time, and you're having you're having to have the team itself come together and figure it, figure it out faster than what all these other teams are because it's, you're seeing it for the first weekend. Everybody is. Plus, the, there's stunts, right? There's no stunts anymore, really, right? Mm-mm. Everybody kind of knows the plays, right? Like, um, you know, like we back when we I played for Bad Company or whatever, you know, we, we we would come up with a plan and then we'd have an audible plan that if we thought we had to play a team that was better than us, right, mm-hmm. or something crazy, we, we had a play that we would only show one time. And it would be kind of a crazy plan, but it would be something we could pull out and try and get a win on someone that, like I said, we thought were better than us. Yeah. Body for body. So, don't you think that with X Ball though, that it's a little bit you don't have those those stunts per se that you pull out every every five games or so because excuse me with X Ball you're playing so many points so you have these five base plays that you're going off of and you're just sending these one or two three guys maybe somewhere different every time but for the most part I mean everybody's breaking out to the same spots. Yeah, they are breaking out to the same spots. But I do think that if no one got to play it before, people would at least – I mean because not every stunt works, right? People would think there was a move that they could do that no one else saw, and they would save that in their back pocket in their little playbook until they absolutely needed the point. And maybe it's mm-hmm. – you know, you're right. You can't you can't use it every time, but maybe you're down you know, 3-2 and you need a pendulum swing or something like that. Yeah. I also think one of the misnomers – because. It's usually like the lower end teams that like not releasing the layouts in their mind. They think it's better because they don't have the money to practice that type of stuff. But I actually think it's worse. So I think the big money teams, they have the talent pool to know the. Let's use Dynasty, right? So mm-hmm. Dynasty, in my opinion, is gonna is the best field walking team out there. Maybe Infamous, right? Um, 
and so they're going to walk the fields really well. And so new teams like a level up or, or, or AC diesel, they're going to take a little while to learn the field. And you see that when they practice each other, right? It's like the first couple of days or the first couple of matches, dynasty just crushes them. And then as the practice goes on, they learn what dynasty's doing. And then they start playing to stop that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a comfort level they get by the time they're at the tournament to where the, everybody's kind of playing on the same level. If we did it the other way where we didn't release the layouts, the, the teams with the older players that have been around for longer would do better. And maybe that's the right way. I'm not saying right. I'm voting which way or another here on this opinion. <laughs> I'm just saying I think the newer teams would be surprised at how poorly they do at those events. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the, the separation between uh, an experienced team and a newer team is adaptation. Uh, how quickly you can you know fix a problem um, or, or fill a gap, fill a void. Um, but let's, I want to talk about that too, a little bit about the, cause we always talk about these, the money teams and the, you know, obviously the teams that where, you know, the players are not paid and we have uh, a new team coming into the, the pro league. I don't know if you heard, uh, yeah. Latin saints and yeah. a big, a big thing that I think people are wondering. And even myself, cause I mean, obviously played in the league for a while, but I wasn't as, I never really paid attention to this move, that move, everybody's going here, everybody's going that. But do you have in mind uh, of putting in some kind of a regulation on uh, a deadline as far as the rosters go in, into the preseason? Or is this just a like in midseason kind of a thing? So this is a tricky question. Um so, so we're dealing with two things here. So one, and I read everybody's posts. No one thinks I read them, and I don't post because I don't want to get in like some type of don't a, read the comments. A word or a word battle. No, I'm reading the comments too. You know, <laughs> people say some stupid stuff about me, but it's okay. It's all right. Um, that, I, I mean, just anytime you say the word player in these type of arrangements that they're talking about, just change that word for employee. So just imagine you're working at a job that you don't necessarily like the work environment. Mm-hmm. Let's just say I'm your coach. And I'm a shitty coach, and I'm mean to you every time you screw up a play, right? So I mf you and do whatever, right? Yeah. Now midway, you want to leave. You're just like I'm over it. I'm gonna stick the year out, but that's it. After this first offer I get, I'm out of here. Mike wants you to declare five months beforehand that you plan on going to get a new job without the new job already in place. I can't Talk just put me. in my two weeks. No, that's what Mike's pitch is. Mike's argument on Facebook was they should declare at Chicago that they plan on becoming a free agent. And it's just going to make an, an, an unworkable work situation. And that's what I'm saying. When you change the word player for employee, it changes the whole dynamic of it because we don't want to restrict where people can work and give the boss the ability to, to, uh, to restrict them from going to go play for other people. And, and that's kind of the problem. If you're going to have some type of a deal where – you tell a player they have to play through the year, then then the team also then has to have an agreement to say, well, we're going to pay the player all year. Or we're guaranteeing to play the player all year. Does that make sense? It's got to go both ways. Right. So so this is this is my opinion on the thing, is I agree with you in a sense of where it's not necessarily the league's responsibility to to either hold on or let go of your players from a from a team's perspective. But... What is the current, um, what is the current roster lock deadline at the moment? I believe it's August. It's so, after the third event. After the third event, do you think that implementing a off-season roster lock would maybe protect? I don't want to say protect, but I mean maybe 
it would essentially do the same thing that this mid-season roster lock would be doing, right? It would it would be creating this this structure pro, that you okay, have. So, and we, yeah, we've talked about this, right? I, I so let, let's say we did a preseason roster lock. So the nice thing about a roster lock that we have now is the player has definitely committed because they played the events, right? Right. So they've committed a thing. So we have 20 teams in the league right now. Let's go out 200 some odd some pro players. So if we said the deadline was. January 1st, let's say. you got to declare your roster, right? Right. All 200 of those players would have to declare for their team at that point. Okay. And, all right. So now that would be on the team to make sure that the players all got that declaration. Um, and then what happens when a player gets cut? What happens if a player gets so you, cut so after the midseason roster lock? They get screwed. They get screwed. That's one of the flaws with it. But at least it's only for one event or two events. Um, it's not for the whole year. But I could pick but, you up. But why right, make right the now. why make the preseason roster lock for the whole year rather than just the first event? So at least you have the first event you, with a ro- with locked you, roster. You could do it for the first event, but it, once again, I prefer to do it after. And I guess I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, this is just such a weird year, right? <laughs> How many times have we had someone steal people like weeks before the tournaments, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have an. I mean, I don't have an answer. I'm just giving. I'm just giving my opinion on it because yeah, I, you, I don't like everybody, right? That. Everybody thinks they have the right answer until you actually implement whatever it is that they're actually talking about, and you have a series of yes, it worked, or yes, it or no, it didn't work. Well, there's there's also some legal ramifications, and a lot of people don't seem to know this, but we can't do a salary cap, and we can't do any well, no. type of stuff that restricts movement, right? And the way the big sports get around it is they have a congressional exemption against antitrust laws. So we do not have that. We're not in a position to have that. And in order to have that, we'd have to have a minimum pay. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm tickled to death that these players are getting paid this kind of money. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is what it is, right? Like, I, like if Mouse is getting, you know, I'm making up numbers, but let's say he's getting 100 grand, right? Mm-hmm. That's great, right? That's good. That's what we all want, right? Now, it does suck. Now, I feel I, I was an owner of a team. You know what I mean? My whole team got gutted by one guy. He took all my people, right? I want to get into but, that later. That that's 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 my responsibility. So people are like, you know, it's all about loyalty, but then they want me to mandate loyalty. That's not the way loyalty works, right? You earn loyalty. But how do you com- that? And that's the thing is, how do you? You can be loyal, but how do you compete when somebody comes in with a purse that has a million dollar cap or whatever they want to spend when you don't? So, but how how do you compete with legacy? How do you compete with Dynasty stealing everybody? And we use Dynasty because that was the big team in my era, right? So who doesn't want to go play for Dynasty? If there was no money involved, everybody would just go for the team that won every event. The Aftershocks, the All-Americans, the uh, the Ironmen, right, back in the day. And then mm-hmm. the Impact, the Heats, the Dynasty, the X-Factors, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to play for the team that's winning. Um, so that's just as a big enough reason to leave as money, right? I don't. Well, I mean, a hundred grand is a hundred grand. I'm not gonna lie, right? That's a lot. Of <laughs> I'm money. gonna say money does that, talk, but that's but, a lot of money. But at what point? At, at what point now is it to where people are wanting to not play because of a legacy, but they want to play because they think they're worth, you know, something to where they could get paid on a team? Where how sustainable is it? Well, none of it's. I mean, in my opinion, if, unless the sponsorship is coming endemically, none of it's really sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. So you got, uh, and well, I'll just go through the list. I'll probably get in trouble after this call. But you know, so you got, you got Houston Heat, right? Their 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 finances are not based upon paintball endemic sponsorship. 
Um, you have Impact sponsorship not based on Paintball Endemic sponsorship. You got um, – hell, none of them are probably based on Paintball sponsorship Endemic except for maybe Dynasty and Infamous, right? They're the ones generating enough money off of Paintball to fund their team the way that it's being funded today. Everything else is outside money in some way. Yeah, now that you mention it too, yeah, Infamous has their their line and uh, Dynasty has Field One. Right, or, or Dynasty hustles, right? You can't take anything away from Dynasty, right? They yeah. they hustle um, the sponsorship, they do clinics, they do all this stuff. That's how they're paying the bills, right? Um, it, you know, it, I mean, since the dawn of time, people are, are, are using what they can to get the players, whatever the niche is, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you played for Aftershock, right? <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah, it was great. I mean, would I have liked to get paid a hundred thousand dollars? Uh yeah. But I think it's it's one of those things now. It's where I mean, I'm not gonna name names too, but I don't. I I think a lot of I think I'm a, a name namer. I like to say names. <laughs> I, well, just I just call think them all out. I think you know I've had this conversation with a few different people of like, is it is what's happening now for the players good for the short term or the long term, and. I think it's good for the short term. I, I and, and the reason I say that is because I don't think that I don't think it's realistic. In 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 a sense of meaning having big payouts like this to create the a dream team. And we can also go back and go, well, Impact did it and well um you know, and Houston Heat did it. But I think those had they have different stakes. I mean, th- those are also two owners of a league. So they're they're committed yeah, at but least they weren't when they started this. They weren't well, when what, they started buying people. Was it not in 2015 or 14? Or no, no, no. I mean, I by no means – no, no, no. They started buying people well before the NXL started. Yeah, that whole world started well before this. How long before, though? Because it wasn't – impact wasn't impact. They weren't – was it 2014 or 15 when they actually started – Really winning well and had their solid the roster, NXL, but that doesn't mean they weren't spending a bunch of money before that. I, I don't know. I don't know the. I, 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 I don't know what their roster was, but I mean, even if you go back, you go to Arsenal. They were he was paying all his players, right? Um, the All Americans were paying their players back in the nineties, right? So yeah. I can only assume it's been going on forever. I've been how around forever. I just don't know what they're all getting paid. <laughs> how many How many teams in the league right now are playing, paying their players? Um, on that you know some of. level, I would probably say nine to ten. Nine to ten. Yeah, that was a lot more than I thought. I thought it was. I mean, just... you got you got six that are paying like, in my opinion, a lot of money, and then after that, there's you know, everybody's getting paid. Yeah. What am I doing? Not playing right now? I don't understand. I know you really should you should. <laughs> You're hustling. You're hustling the, the you know, the podcast. Well, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I, I enjoy this though. It's, it's nice to talk about subjects like this and just to be able to keep up with everything that's happening and, and to be able to see the sport grow more than it has in a really long time. Um, at least in this dramatically, I feel. I feel like the paintball is just starting to be come back well, on that, that it, uh, hockey a, stick. It's, it's a double whammy, right? So like, you got the team owners, right? And I'm going to use. Who do I want to pick? Mark Johnson, right? <laughs> so Mark Johnson's a salt-of-the-earth team owner, right? He's doing everything he can to build a team. He wants mm. to score guys. He's spending his own personal money to build the team, right? And it's extremely frustrating to have someone come steal your players, right? Right. 
But on that same side, that same person just paid 50 grand for a spot that Mark now owns, right? So Mark now technically has an asset that's theoretically worth $50 because that's what the last one sold for, right? Mm -hmm. So the stock of his team has now gone up in value at the same time that the player stock has gone up. Now, whether that's going to continue or whether it's sustainable, I don't know. Yeah. Um, another thing I was curious about was when a team, let's when a pro team puts their spot up for sale, do you first offer that to one of the top semi-pro teams? We do not. So we don't own the spot. The team owns the spot, right? So the only thing that we do is we stop them from changing the name without a, we have a change of name fee, which basically covers the promotional stuff that we have, like the flags and the banners and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But so it, it's their asset. We don't own that asset. We're, we're not, we're not structured the way the NFL and major league baseball and the NBA is. We, we, it's a, it's a slot that that team has earned and they can do what they want with it. Earned in a sense, financially because they no, bought it previous no, no, years no, no, ago no, no, or because no, they so, actually... so so however you ended up with it right so uh ac, AC diesel won their spot right they came up through semi-pro mm -hmm. and they won their spot right so now he has an asset that he can transfer or do whatever he wants with it see but how did he win that spot is because aftershock lost the spot yeah aftershock lost aftershock got relegated right so then AC Dallas or AC Diesel moved into that spot. And that's the only way that a semi-pro team would be able to move so its way we, in. So we did an expansion one year. We did it. We went to a 20-team expansion. And so there we moved more people in. But, yes, if you just – if you didn't want to buy a spot, the way to win a spot is to be the number one uh, semi-pro team at the end of the season. Or be a rich guy and or buy a Or be a rich guy and buy one. Or, or acquire one, right? I don't know what – uh, level up paid for their spot. I don't know what NRG paid for their spot, right? Who's the value they has take, gone up. They took Boom's spot, right? They One of them took Boom and the other one took Katana's. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Katana. So. Hmm. Interesting. So it's tricky, right? Because, I, I, you know, like I said, you see the you see people chime in and they're like, they shouldn't be allowed to sell their spots. Um, but, the you know, the Dallas Cowboys could sell the Dallas Cowboys. That's why they have a value associated with the team, right? The mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboys could sell their spot and then they can change a name. So it's really a. I mean, the Washington Redskins just changed their team name to the Washington Commanders or something, right? So, oh, did they? They're not the Washington Football Team anymore. No, now they're the Washington Commanders. I, I kind of like the football team. I like that. Um, yeah, it was catchy after a little while. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, it's it's you know, it's six of one, half dozen other. All of it's complicated, but I believe that the Mark Johnsons of the world—they've earned their spot. They can sell that spot. They can do what they want. It actually it has nothing to do with us. So they're not contractually um, obligated to you at all? No. Nope. Hmm. The more you know. Well, I mean, think about it. So, and we've argued this. I've argued this with a lot of people, right? Even, you know, so Dynasty is a corporation. So every time they, you know, I, I can't, the NXL is not in a position to say, when you sell something, then we want the right of first refusal on it, right? Mm -hmm. If Randy wants to leave Houston Heat to his son, Am I the person to get in the middle and say that's not allowed? So are you would you at least have a contract with all the pro teams for the for them to play all five events with you a year or four um, or whatever it is? So we technically do, but the contract and, and the contract is basically they play all five events, they retain their pro spot. If they lose if they don't show up for an event, they lose their pro spot, technically. So we will waive that for, for crazy circumstances like Russia not getting their visas because of COVID. 
or because of the COVID situation, right? We, we didn't make all the teams go to the events. Mm-hmm. But if we have an event, a pro event, then all the pro teams must attend. Do you know what the Russian situation is currently? Well, we, we believe they were coming all the way until the proxy invasion of the Ukraine. Um, and I know there's a bunch of sanctions things flying around between us and the UK. Um, so it'd be interested to see if their visas were approved before this happened, but whether they'll be revoked or not, it's yet to be seen. So what what then happens if uh, if they're not allowed to make it? Do do you open the spot up to a semi pro team? So we believe they would fill it with yes, we would. Um, it would be a little unfair now to kind of make a team move up, right? So if you were New England Hurricanes, which I believe is next in line, that they would be playing with us with a semi pro roster in the pro division. So that would be challenging. Um, I believe the Russians would field a team. They have a backup. Uh, kind of a hedge in place. But what if they started up three points? What do you every mean? match? Well, that's a little unfair for who they got to play, right? <laughs> um, you're talking about the semi pro team. Yeah. There's nothing you can fix that doesn't screw someone, right? <laughs> you let them start up three, and whoever draws them has got a harder thing than, you know. I always thought about that too. Whenever somebody says, "Oh, we have an easy bracket," or "We have a hard bracket," I'm like. What are you basing that off of? Are you basing that off of like the last event and of whatever team you're playing against? Because I feel like, I mean, yeah, there's there's teams that like take take level up for example. I mean, I'm sure there are teams that came in and they really didn't think shit of level up and then got stepped on because they let up a little bit. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, it, these people are saying the, the brackets are here and there. I think every team right now is super competitive. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Greg Pauly here. So Greg Pauly went uh. See, I like to name names. So Greg Pauly, like, like wore me out, um, wore me out about letting uh, Scottsdale Elevation in, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, and he hits you with that, you know, you know they're no good, you know it's not going to be a big deal, right? He's probably going to kill me, but um, and so they're literally the first game of the day. They have to play Scottsdale Elevation, and they lose, and so to Scottsdale Elevation. So I go storming over there to come, you know, see like, ha. And yeah. uh, I saw him, and he was mad. He's, I said, too soon? He's like, way too soon. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait, buddy. But, uh, you, you know, it's it's one of those things. You expect to win, and not always you do. And actually, I think um, we have a higher level of parity now than we've ever had mm-hmm. um, in a long time. I, I can't say forever. But there's, there's a lot of teams that can win a tournament now um, and a lot of teams that are going to beat people. And Level Up's a perfect example. I mean, I love those guys. Um so, yeah, level yeah. up, Brevo, um, NRG played well. You yep. have aftermath coming up. You, you, there's, there's a lot. I think, I think a lot of these Sundays coming up this year are going to be very a- colorful. A- AC Diesel, like you say, a lot of stuff. But AC Diesel, Diesel AC yeah. Diesel could, yep. Um, I mean, these teams that are going to grind out, they're, they're going to do good, right? And, and then we, we got the Saints, right? Which I don't think are probably going to do as well as everyone thinks they're going to do. Um, Isn't it so? We'll Latin see. Impact, right? Latin Impact, yes. That's the, new, uh, that's the new name. Um, yeah, Latin Impact. He's uh, got more than just Impact guys on there. Sure. They do. So, so who do – okay, they have Goldman. They have Speca. They have um, J-Rab. Yeah. They have Brandon Short as a coach. Yeah. They have – I'm not who, even getting into who this. Who am I missing? I, I see my little things go through the, the, the move alerts, and I'm like, so is there a lot of move alerts? Now, or is there actually more movement than normal? Everybody's like, it's way more movement than normal. I think there's, I think there's more movement 
than I don't want to say normal because I think there's moves happening all the time. I just don't know if they're publicized as much as they are now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, which I think makes it seem like there's a lot of action happening. That's, and that's what I was actually, but there is a lot of action. I mean, Impact basically switched out four, moved four, right? But I mean, I guess last year, you know, a AC Dallas, you know, their whole team moved on to other teams, right? Right. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's why you have so many people that are like, well, what is, you know, what's the NXL going to do about this? And what, what is uh, Tom going to, I was like, well, what, the, what, what can you do? I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm, I, you're not in charge of the players and how they, and the only thing I can say is having some kind of a, some kind of a January 30th or whatever you want to do, um, a, a lock, at least for the first event, I would say. Yeah, so I got involved with one of these, like one of my first jobs with the PSP is somehow one of the teams had called me and said, you know, whatever, put, put Adam Gardner left my team. I'll pick on someone that never left the team, right? So so Adam Gardner's left my team, and I paid him all this money, and, and I don't think you should allow him to leave the team. So I call Adam, and once again, this, this isn't a true story. I'm giving a theoretical. So I call Adam, and Adam's like, yeah, he says he's going to give me four guns. He gave me one, and then he left me at the airport at the next event, and so I'm not playing for him anymore. So now I'm like, just got to try and arbitrate, you know. Yeah. You know, that's Chicago paintball for you right there. That's just normal. Right? <laughs> and you're also not the lawyer. Right. And I, I can't, I can't, no one's, everybody can just lie to me, right? There's no, nothing, right? There's no, yeah. no recourse at all, right? I can't, I can't ask Renick or uh, Adam Gardner or whoever for his, you know, records or anything. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. he said, she said. So, yeah. So you got to have no some, win situation. You got to have some pretty thick skin to be in your spot. I mean, with, with, and I thought about this. I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about um, the presidency and just the position of it all or being head of anything and how much responsibility and how thick-skinned you have to be because not everybody's going to like you or, or like every decision that you make or anything or ha even have it be 50-50, you know? And has that been something that you've kind of had to adjust to or have you always had that kind of thick skin where it's like, well, I— I'm just telling you how it is. Um, a little bit of both. Um, so one, if I get my mindset and I think I'm doing the right thing, I'm pretty bullheaded, right? Like, you know, I believe I have a vision and I'm going to try and get that vision through. And and so sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong on that. Um, it, to, to say you don't get a little discouraged sometimes when you're on Facebook and you just see everybody just destroying something that you did, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the whole Philly thing was pretty good, you know? Um, and it does amaze me the lengths that people go to, like, you know, like, I wish he was dead. You know, I'm like, so you played on dirt and now I should be dead. Um, and, and what's funny is and what I've had to learn is a lot of them aren't really the players anymore. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are people that either used to play or that are fans. And I'm not saying they have less of an opinion, but in the end, I, I, I want the players to be happy. Mm -hmm. And. So, yeah, I, I would take it bad if all my peers came to me, like if the pros all just came together and said, hey, Tom, we're just unhappy with the job you're doing and we think you need to step down. That would hurt my feelings, right? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have that thick of skin. Um, <laughs> but they haven't done that yet. So so we're good. Um, <laughs> so, you're, so you're all set. We're, I'm all set, at least for a short while. You know, I always say this job's like being a coach of a college football team, right? At, at some point in time, the, you know, you've just – You've burned enough bridges, and they're going to kick you out. You're only as good as your last event, right? So mm -hmm. th th that's the life I've chose, right? So Yeah, and, you know, looking at it from, from that perspective, it's like you're not going to make everybody happy. And you're until you get retired, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's one of those things. Because I feel like you are one of the more relatable 
Um, actually, a lot of your staff are former players and had something to do with paintball in, during some era of the game. And I think that that's what's really, um, at least for me, what people should understand is that you're not doing this out of any interest except to make paintball better and to make it better for the players in general. Yeah, I like to th- think so. I mean, that's one of my favorite things is like, so when they pick on something that we're doing, whatever it is, right? Let's say we're not getting the Olympics fast enough because that's a recent one, right? And they're like, you know, Tom's never going to do that. It's all about the money. And I'm thinking, if we got in the Olympics, I'm sure there'd be more money, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what happens when you get the Olympics, but I feel like that's more money for somebody. So, um, yeah. But I mean, the I, biggest hurdle, the biggest hurdle right now is paintball itself, right? The the logistics that go behind creating an event with multiple fields, having multiple referees, having all these things that that go into creating a paintball event, a major national paintball event. The logistics behind it and having a facility be able to facilitate that has to be the biggest turnoff, number one. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you think about it, like everybody that's ever ran a league since we started this thing has been passionate about paintball, right? Mm -hmm. So no one's designed anything to be for profit. Everybody's designed it to be what they want if they had a dream you know, they had their money. And, and yeah. back in the day, we used the Richmonds, the Dave Youngbloods, those people that, that made a lot of money on paintball. They reinvested it back in what they thought your traditional X-Ball sign there. You know, what they thought they wanted the game to be like and tried to make it legitimate. But they never once thought, how are we going to recoup this money? And so we've we've developed a game that's really expensive to build, to run, to play. Yeah. All of this stuff is, is absurd. Um, I mean, I, I go to these shows and I say this a lot on these shows, but like, you know, I, I'll sit around a little round table of other people that are running sports and they're like, you know, I'm like, so what do you bring to the events? And they're like, well, me and my assistant show up and we get about 20 volunteers and we rope off the course and we have a couple <laughs> local referees show up. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I fly in about 60 of my closest friends and we spend about two weeks building stuff. And then we shoot about 6 million paintballs and then we pick all them up. Mm-hmm. And then we put them in dumpsters, and then we go to the next location, and they all look at me like I've lost my mind. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, my wife just signed up for an Ironman, and the entrance fee to that was eighteen hundred and fifty dollars for one person to run on a road that was already built, to run in an ocean that was made well before they got there, and then to drive a bike on a road. And they will have about seven hundred volunteers making sure that no one gets out of whack. And you really you only need a referee at the start and the end and some little RFDs to make sure you didn't go off course. Well, you do need that paper number yeah, and, paper, and a way to attach number, it to yeah. your body. Yeah, yeah. So, so that costs um, money. So I'm in the wrong wrong sport business here, <laughs> that's for sure. So um, so what have you have you ever considered which I'm sure you have. Um but have you ever considered trying to figure out a way for outside sponsorship to contribute some way to the sport meaning like i'm not saying having anybody come in and change a bunch of rules and 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 change around the aspect and the and the legitimacy of the game but maybe just having logos on the bunkers and be and maybe reaching out to those companies has that ever kind of crossed your mind i'm assuming it has well yeah and and a guy once told me you know no one gets fired for for sponsor the super bowl or a golf tournament right but you might get fired for sponsoring a paintball event because you'd be the first mover, right? So if Gatorade came on board and they sponsored a paintball event and then whatever happened, some PR nightmare, um, that person went out on a limb to sponsor the events. Um, 
and yeah, we try this all the time. I mean, we, we, we spend some time trying to get this out there and trying to pick up some outside sponsors. And it's just, it's a hard niche to get into. Who have you, do you know offhand, like who or what kind of genre of sponsor you've kind of reached out to? So we've reached out to all the energy drinks, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just recently had a bout with Johnson's and Johnson's, um, the soap people, right? Yeah. Um, and different cleaning detergents. Um, that was the most recent one that we did. And actually, no one even knows about that one. Um, so, yeah, and it just falls through. I mean, there's a couple holes that we have. One of them is the media rights, right? Um, we, you know, through Go Sports, it's restricted viewing rights behind a paywall. So that limits the amount of people that are watching it. Um, so so that's one of the big holdups. And they're com- completely separate from you, correct? They're completely separate from us, yes. So who? So they are the one who, who actually releases, let's say, like a Friday on Facebook. Correct. Yes. That is Go Sports. Do you know if that's going to continue this year? Free okay. free Fridays? Uh, that I do not know. I do not know. I would hope so. I would hope so, too. So that's their own marketing thing, right? So uh, we sold the rights to that to, for them to, to air the pro field. Um, and I say sold. We gave that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so they have the rights to the pro field to try and do what they can with it. So, Yeah. I mean, I think they're doing an amazing job. I just the only the only quarrel that I had with it was the pro team, the pro finals were always like at, what was it? Like four thirty, five o'clock yeah. and the shadows are starting to kick in and everything. And it just, it made it, I mean, granted I hadn't, I haven't played in a lot of Sunday games, but I've played in some and, and it's, it's frustrating sometimes having to wait around so long because all those other, those divisional teams are playing on that, that pro field which is i can't imagine what that's like being a divisional team playing on a pro field and it's it's amazing but being able to like not look at the sun while you're playing in finals i'm sure i mean do you guys do you guys think about that the the layout of east west and everything yeah yeah we always try and make it go the right way i I mean we've definitely screwed it up at least once (laughs) but um yeah we make it go the right way um but if it runs too late then it yeah it is what it is. But yeah, we try not to have it so that it's subs are going to be in your eyes. Yeah. For sure. But sometimes the layout forces us to be at some angle of it mm-hmm. so that it's not perfect. Uh, I have a uh, something that I've been kind of stirring around in my head about the field layouts. And it was something I had because everybody wants to be involved, right? Everybody has an opinion, obviously, on Facebook and everything. Everybody has a finger or a comment or something they want to stick into somebody else and just ruin their day or, you know, have a, actually something decent to say. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the next best idea is on there, right? We don't who know knows? Um, but and, and this is nothing against Trozen uh, making fields or anything. If anything, this is to maybe lighten the load or the, the pressure. I mean, he might not even have any. I'm putting words in his mouth. But have you ever thought about having fans of the sport or players contribute field layouts to be able to sift through and then have them voted on by the public? And then let's say you have 500 million. Well, you know, that's a lot. But let's, let's say you start off with 100. 100. 100 people contribute field layouts. You sift through those, chosen, obviously. Um, sift through those, get down to the, to the top 10. Right. And then you have a vote to go down to the top five 
And then those five fields, or let's say just to make it, let's make it six so you don't know what the last field layout is going to be of the year. And you make it, um, now those five fields are going to be every, every tournament, but you don't know which one. But at least you have people contributing fields and then also voting on the top six to see what happens. And then I think it would be cool to see, like, have a kid or somebody who built a field be like, oh, I built that field and they're playing it at World Cup or whatever. And, and now you, you have more perspective than, let's say, just Jason Trozen. Don't take this as I'm shitting on Jason Trozen because I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah. literally just trying to maybe have a different approach to it. Um. So to be honest with you, like the easiest thing is to have a peer review, right? Have, have, have the fans create it and have the fans vote on it. It gets us completely out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But is that is that really the best product we're putting forth, right? So what what yes. what what the consumer? Yes, you say. <laughs> I mean, what the consumers want and what the pro teams want and what the divisional teams want. Those are three different things, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So we have to try and weigh all that in. So how about this? I'm not trying to convince you or anything, but I'm just I'm just trying no, to think right. of different different avenues. So, so, and so I'm going to defend. I like to argue, right? So I'm going to argue whatever. Doesn't mean I'm not digesting it and thinking about how <laughs> I can twist that around a little bit. Whatever. I I think the the best form of debate is to argue stuff out, so that that way I can I, oh, we for can sure. think through it. And and it's not even that I'm arguing with you. I'm just what debate? What bring, debate? There, there debate. we go. There we go. So let's say we have 100, 100 layouts uh, that are contributed. Uh, we take them down to 20, right? And then at that point, we have, let's see, we would have the pro teams vote on the field. Because how I'm thinking of it, too, is you can have the public contribute fields and vote on top of that. But maybe for the final six fields, you have the pros actually vote for the final six fields. Or not the pros, but the, the oh, yeah, you can have the teams vote on the fields. So now you can have you can have the players vote for the the 20 or the uh, the public vote for the 20 fields and then the pro teams vote for the top 6 or whatever it is. I'm not against it. I think it'd be kind of cool to see what people come up with. I mean, and it's not like I I don't think there would be one sole person that would be like, "Oh, you know, well Trozen built this shitty ass field that, you oh, know, there's nobody... a lot of people that say that. Um so most of the time before they've even played it. So, yeah, I, that's one of my favorite days is the field drop day, layout drop day. Right. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm still a big fan of. Uh, of not releasing the field, but what? OK, so what's also your take on keeping ramping around? You mean as opposed to shooting straight semi or going to mechanical 5.5? Which which one of those options are we talking about here? Well, I mean, I think mechanical would be awesome, but going straight going straight to semi and actually having to to regulate it and and I I think we have the technology to be able to regulate that. <sighs> That's above me. Um, I don't really I can't say that I'm a huge gun technology person. Like, so I like the slower the rate of fire, the better. Mm-hmm. I, I do know that one of the things that's made us healthy. So people always talk about like the grow paintball and where we're at. We're, we're the biggest we've ever been on the tournament side. Yeah. Right. This is unquestionably the biggest we've ever been. And part of that, as Jason likes to point out, every time I come up with a crazy idea is uh, the, the fact that it's been the same. We've had no major rule changes, no major format changes since 2015. Um, and so that stability now I'm not talking about just like minor tweaks, right? The NFL does minor tweaks, mm-hmm. but changing the rate of fire is a pretty big one. 
Um, and we had such a problem with cheater boards and technology back then that um, in 07 in 07 yeah right yeah it wasn't until we went to ramping and i, I couldn't even give you the history of ramping. Like we went to 15 and then we went to 10 whatever yeah, it's yeah. jumped everywhere right and, and i felt like the psp changed their stuff a lot um i felt like every year we were coming out with a new format like a like a you know a save the paintball format um there's something to be said for stability and knowing what the rules are going to be mm-hmm. so i, yeah. I kind of like that and, and i mean you think about it like we're bigger than we were back when we were, we had that rate of fire, right? So it is what it is, right? Like so, I think a lot of our consumers must like the ten balls a second and the ramping. Well, it's fucking easy. That's so, why, why, why people like it because it's easy bad? to do. You don't have to have talent to hold a lane with one finger offhand. So you know what's easier is to play Call of Duty than it is to go outside. It's not my job to make sure people want to do things the hard way. Well, it's easier to shit on the toilet and just get up and not wipe your ass, but people still wipe their ass. Well, I, I'm I'm here for their morality, right? I'm just <laughs> I mean, as a business though, people say grow paintball. The the easier it yeah. is to play, the easier it is to grow it, right? You can't, if you make things super complicated, you know, it's it's and I get the skill factor, but there's also something nice to say that yeah. it levels the playing field. Yeah, and I guess you know, looking at it from the perspective of, you know, Football is the same thing. It just the players are bigger and better. Right. And I got news for you. These players are faster and better than they ever were, right? Oh, yeah. Up until now, right? The people are really good now. Yeah. Yeah, I think the competitive paintball now is – is. I I I love watching it. It's great. It's 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 entertaining. Uh, I, I think everything's moving fairly decently as far as action on the field. I yeah. still – I still don't – I'm still not a fan of split deck. And I understand that it's all time management on your part. Yep. Um, I'm not if, a fan of split deck either. If that wasn't the issue, would you get rid of split deck? Unquestionably. I don't like split deck anymore than anybody else. Are you only doing that because you have 20 teams? I'm, I'm only doing that because we have to turn the fields, right? We can't, right? So this is the magic number I tell everybody. So let's just say we break even right now, mm-hmm. right? We're breaking even. So if you take the games and you make it double – that means I lose half. So we'd have to either double the entrance fee or cut the time that people play in half. So is that a, a game happening with split deck? Have you have compared that to a single game? Like look, the well, finals well, game, the finals well, game, go, right? Just go back and look at the PSP. So the PSP used to run 10 pros on the pro field in three days. We now run 20. That's insane. Right. That's why they went to champs and challengers. One of the reasons, right, is they had 10 pros playing over here and 10 plus over here. And maybe it was 16. Right. I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but I think mm-hmm. it was 10 and 10. Um, so, yeah, it's it the, the match style format. And we're ours is even harder than the PSP's was. The PSP was race two. Uh, match is a longer format already. Why was champs and challengers uh, straight away from? Because um, it was a nightmare. Um, the, the real problem is, um, and me and Lane will debate whose idea this was. I think it was my idea. He thinks it was his. But um, the uh, if you when you got relegated down to that champs or the challengers group, mm-hmm. um, we lost teams because of that. Every time you relegate someone, you have a good chance of losing people. And the sponsors didn't like it. No one really liked it. I mean, there was some drama because you were down there playing for your life. But um, I, I would rather keep the twenty teams and be pretty steady. I like consistency. So is that screen time? Is that what they're worried about as far as sponsorship goes? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You you pay you pay Dynasty 
you know, $100,000 a year. You don't want them to play. You, you got them five times, right? That's $20,000. I'm making up numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But it's if you paid them hundred grand, that's $20,000 an event. If if one of the events they're over there on the challengers, they, 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 they don't – it doesn't make it as viable for the sponsors. Yeah. So you sponsor Detroit Lions and they suck. You, you still got them on TV so many times. They still play the Thanksgiving game. Yep, they still played the Thanksgiving game, right? So <laughs> consistency is part of the sponsorship equation. Mm-hmm. So we try and help the teams. And it really does kind of kill those teams um, getting relegated. So, Have you ever thought about going to a, a cycling season to where you don't have an off season, but you just have events in warmer places and it just it's just throughout the year you're just continually playing events? So, yeah, I love that idea. Um, the problem we got, and, and you'll see I'm trying to go to that, right? So my long-term vision is so that the season's longer, but teams are playing more locally instead mm-hmm. of traveling all around the world. Um, that's kind of what the Opens are testing um, to kind of see if we can't either come up with a conference system or something along those lines. Because, yeah, I, I would like to widen the season and make it not so compact so the money's all not spent. You know, it, it's a huge burden to teams to come up with this kind of money. Yeah. Um, but because the pro teams are, are are part of the equation, and the more events I add, the more money they have to spend. That there, it's not it has a ceiling, right? It's the amount of events that I could run, um, unless I went to some conference system. We debated this where we would have a five team in the northern conference, right? And so that would be basically the Chicago through Ohio through that area, mm-hmm. and they would play two events with just the five, and then they'd go to an event that had the twenty, and then they, you know kind of play that way and try and win out of your conference like the NFL. So let's say the, the, the winnings don't matter, right? Let's say the winnings don't matter anyway. So people got to spend money to go to the, the event. And let's say even if they win, they break even. Teams show up anyway. We can yep. agree on that. Yep. So what if we were to go to a, a cycling season, a cycling year season, but then we lower the entry fees and we lower, we lower cost at the event, but we're still getting the return because we're, ha- we're adding more events to the season? So it's a branding problem at that point, right? So, and, and I've gone down this path, so we'll walk through this, right? So, so I wanted to go to paintball parks, right? So mm. I, you could run an event at a paintball park significantly cheaper than you could run on paper. Because we even talked about paper. this for the, for the MPL when we were trying to yep. get that off the ground. Yeah, I think me, I think I gave you this advice. I said, don't. I don't, don't know. Do I think we kind of came doing. up with it with you, but I'll, I'll go with that. I was like, I hate. <laughs> don't do what we're doing. That's a horrible system. Um, well, because it's an easier concept when you when you're only running one field and you only have yep. one. The logistics are a lot easier. And then on top of that, if you make it to where you're already playing at an existing paintball field, now it's it's even that much more conceivable because you don't have the overhead that you would running a nine field tournament is that i mean is that the average amount of field or what's what's the eight, amount of let's say eight, eight eight fields yeah yeah um yeah yeah it's way easier to run a field but so now the problem we ran into when we started going to these opens we went to the open system mm-hmm. um and it's more expensive than i thought to bring a park up to the standard that we're used to at an nxl right so and so because of the branding issue i haven't quite figured that out you either have to offer another brand and call this like for, for argument's sake, the Motel 6 version, right? Mm-hmm. And then the big events are the Hyatts, so, something along those lines, right? Because if you sign up for an NXL event, you want a certain level of of quality, right? Real or imagined. And and hope that so, the field can can facilitate that kind of capacity. Well, not even on the size. Let's just talk about the, the you know, you're a pro team. You're going to want a pro pit. You're going to want air right there in the pit. You're going to want, you know, all these different things. And not every park has that. 
Um, and we ended up spending a decent amount of money trying to get the parks up to speed. Um, obviously, we have some good partners who help us, like uh, Giovanni and Dave Baines. But it's still mm-hmm. – it was harder than I thought it was. But we could. You could just go – I could go to a paintball park. You need to run 20 teams, right? Because you have to pay for the refs no matter what. Right. And one of the other problems I ran into with this system was the refing. So so right now, let's say to ref the pro field is is roughly $22,000, right? Per ref? That's, no, that's $22,000 to ref the pro field. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that, you, you can't do that with five teams, right? So I'd either have to bring in less referees of the pro-level quality um, and go down that path, or i got to have other teams help, help to pay that bill. Latin Saints. The Latin Saints. They pay the rest. The whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be a whole nother level, wouldn't it? That would be a whole nother level. Um, um, so, yeah, there's we've built some expectations, um, and, and it all evolved because we didn't used to have a lot of teams. Like, when we first started playing, there was only 20 teams in the country. Mm-hmm. So we had to go to five events to go kind of bring all 20 teams in. Right. Now it's big enough that I think we could go to a more regional system, but now people just like the big events, right? Mm-hmm. They just like the big events. Well, I mean... There's something about going to an event that's filled to the brim with teams, and then you have 20 pro teams playing well, throughout and the I weekend. Can be, I can give you the process that I went through in my brain, right? So we, we start looking for land, right? Because it'd be way easier for me to have a permanent facility, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, so now I'm like, well, how am I going to get five 50-acre flat pieces of grassland within 30 minutes of an airport, right? It's just fiscally irresponsible, right? There's just no way to do that, yeah. right? So then I started thinking, well, well, why don't we just go to one field and build one Mac Daddy field and run the tournament like every weekend, right? The, the, the pro division plays the, the first weekend of the month. The, the semi-pro plays the second weekend of the month. D2, D3, you know, kind of work it out that way. Mm-hmm. And the question is, do people, do people play because of the big event or would they rather play a smaller event that has a premier badass field? I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I think, it, I think that would lose its luster after a while. So everybody says that, but the Dallas Cowboys, they play in that same exact spot about yeah, 16 man, weekends a year. Yeah, man, that multi-billion dollar facility does. <laughs> well, I'm talking about what happens if you spent you know, a decent amount of money on a facility. You could spend mm-hmm. some money and make a really nice one-field operation, right? Yeah, yeah, you could. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, and that's big picture brainstorming type stuff, but yeah. But I think that's what needs to happen, right? You have these discussions every year, and you have them throughout the season, and you're, you're cool. always... So, so the pilot is the pilot is Philly, right? So the the first phase of that didn't work out so well. But so the the city of uh, King of Pressure, which is the area right there, that they're paying for that facility for us to use for the year, right? Mm-hmm. So if that model can work, then we can reach out to other cities and have a similar program throughout the country. Yeah. So. That could be a good thing. It may it may not work, right? I'm not trying to sell a dream here, but um, <laughs> I I have to kind of explore all these options if I can, right? Mm-hmm. I, I you know, some of them aren't going to work, right? A lot of them aren't going to work. Now, as far as the Philly this year, are they keeping you updated on the the situation? Yeah. So actually, um, I have people that have gone out there and checked, and the grass is good. Um, they plan on putting more grass down. There's some a couple spots that need some improvement, but uh, at They're the not end, right after up the event, old grass, right? No, right after the last <laughs> event, they did it already. So oh, okay. Right after Philly last year, they already redid that. So yeah, yeah, once bitten, twice shot. <laughs> so, uh, if there is if there's one thing 
that you could change right now about the NXL um, that you don't think would take a bunch of, of shit for, what would you do? Well, there's nothing I'm going to do that I'm not going to take a bunch of shit for. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I don't like the layouts, right? I, I don't like the layouts being released. Um, yeah. I know we talked about that. I defended the release of the layouts, but that's my personal thing. I don't like releasing the layouts. I think it I think it screws the schedule up, and it, it's it's life equity, right? That's what mm-hmm. I call it, right? So so you're married, you got a wife, you got kids, and you know you have to take off these two weekends every time. Um, it, it changes your whole life, you know. So we're talking 15 weekends a year. These people have a set schedule that we announced where they're going to be. Um, yeah. It would be so much easier to announce five weekends that we're going to do it, and then people could practice whenever they wanted in the middle there. So if you know if your brother's getting married the day before I release the World Cup layout, you're not screwed, right? You mm-hmm. you have a choice of going to your brother's wedding or playing World Cup, right? Yeah. Now obviously. I'm just drastically increasing it. It could happen. Your brother gets married on the World Cup. But now I'm drastically increasing the amount of times that can happen. And I think it hampers the rest of the industry a little bit because it um, it stops other people from running events. You can't run an event on practice weekend, right? It, it, it just affects the turnout everywhere. Even a big game gets somewhat affected by the, the layout weekends. Yeah, because I've heard some people argue that, well – it, the the layout weekends it, it draws in teams. I was like, well, if if you're if you have competitive teams, they're going to show up to play paintball regardless. Yes and no. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know what would happen culturally if we got rid of that. I mean, we obviously used to practice before there was layouts. I mean, during the entire NPPL era, when like people weren't practicing, right? That's right? What, yeah. Um, but maybe that's changed now. Maybe people. I mean, and and I talked to a lot of people on both sides of the argument. Um, and they kind of like the schedule. They like the fact that they know the weekends are going to practice and, and their coaches, I guess, aren't thrown in a wild weekend. As soon as we release their dates, they know their schedule for the year. Um, you know, you don't, but isn't a, that, you know, isn't that kind of like no common sense anyway? It's like you, you release a, a date for the event and you practice the two weekends before. It's not like whether you have a, a, a layout or not. Well, the only reason I don't like the layout release is because of the practice schedule. I th- I wish it was a little more flexible. I wish you could choose what weekend you wanted to practice, right? Well, I mean, for the most part, you would want to practice as closely to the event as possible. Yeah, 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 for improvement, yeah. But maybe the, maybe just the one weekend, but the other weekend be a flex weekend, right? Well, the one that I the one thing that I that I was not privy to was practicing on Thursdays at the event itself. I always thought that that was that just opened up the door for injuries. And then also having to take off another day for work to now be in for, you know, on a Wednesday or whatever it is to just to be able to practice on that Thursday. Yeah, they're not, I don't think they're really taking off a day because the, the, the morning slots don't don't have anybody on them. So they're almost all trying to play those afternoon slots. So nobody practices in the morning? Nope. Slackers. Yeah. Yeah, so they're not coming in the entire day before. And, and I don't really know. You know, it's like a catch-22. You know, it's not, you know, we're set up an entire day early for those practices, everything. So, yeah, that's a challenge. Do you, do you charge teams to practice? Yeah, yeah, of course. So you, you at least get to pay for the people who actually made the field? No, wait. You The, the field that is, is assembled is a field that is actually going to be played on Correct. at the tournament, right? Yeah. Okay. But we build every so, but that means we're we're ready a whole day earlier. Does that make sense? Yes, that's true. So, but so the bunkers it, are it, so much dirtier. They are dirtier, yeah. 
They're all gross. Yeah, they're definitely dirtier. So another idea I want to throw at you because I'm just full of ideas that come, you know, go nowhere. Um, ref cycling. Meaning, like you know, there's there's a lot of people that always are like, ah, uh, you know, the refing this, the refing that, the refing this, whatever. Blah, blah. Um, actually, I have two refing things, and I'll let I remember it. But this one, um, what what about every every like other point or whatever it is, the refs actually cycle spots. So they just they just go clockwise. So no ref gets. Because, and I argue it with this is right. Every ref is like, or every everybody who um who I go back and forth with, there's like, well, you know, they get accustomed to that spot. I'm like, people get hit with paintballs all the time from everywhere. A, a seasoned ref is gonna know if a paintball hit somebody or if it didn't from this angle, that angle, whatever. But now you have the refs not getting so accustomed to sitting in that one spot all day long doing the same thing but if you had them cycle every single point now this player you know this ref's laying down here then they cycle just one spot every point and now you don't have that excuse of you know this ref sucks because you know that corner ref sucks or whatever it is you actually they're able to see that every angle and i think that would keep the referees sharp because they're not sitting there bored the entire time not saying that they are i just know that those days get long (laughs) those days are extremely long um that's an interesting one. You like the TSA at that point. Um, they rotate their people like every 15 minutes so that no one gets bought, bored looking for a bomb. There you go. Um, I, I will say, I mean, you know, just to play a devil's advocate, and I would have to talk to the referees about why they don't like that plan. But um, or some do. of it's going to be the same way, you know, you, you don't move, you know, and I guess you do, right? A good player could play everywhere, but some people are job specific, right? Mm-hmm. Mouse plays that snake pretty well, right? We just don't switch him up and send him over to here, make him pay back spot, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'd ask them and see what they think. The one thing I will say that has impressed me over the past couple years, and it's more because I've delved into it, is is the paintball community, the pro paintball players are way more paintball smart than they've ever been in history. Mm -hmm. But I also feel the same way about the refing to where they want to be good refs. They, they, there's a professionalism in refing that I don't remember. Now, maybe it's always been there, and maybe I just didn't notice it. But, like, um, for example, I just talked about the ICPL. So we, we had a we had a call at the ICPL, which is questionable. We'll call it questionable or whatever, right? And uh, and so I had to talk with the referees, and I was like, hey, you know, I, I don't I don't even understand this call. I can't even can't even argue it. And I've been doing this my whole whole life. I can't <laughs> out argue this call. And um, and they 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 took it, you know, and they talked about it. And then I went to dinner that night with Simon and the table next to us was the refs and they were literally talking about it like a discussion, like a team chat. Like, why can't we get in the snake? Why, why is Ryan keep getting in the snake? Yeah. And why are we missing him? Right. They were having a team chat about how to improve the call that we made. Right. And they do want to be good referees. Right. And so I've been impressed with that, that stuff. And that's kind of like what we're trying to create. Like we we're kind of getting those, you know, the Jason Trozen and the head referee, they're working together to make the refing always better, and they want to be better, so it's not like a challenge. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the difference between coaching a good player that wants to learn or a person just tells you it wasn't my fault. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I've been impressed by that. So I think yeah. we're working on a good thing. And, um, I, you know, I think so too. I, I think that the quality of play and the, and the way the games are laid out, they, they can't go – they can't progress unless the re- unless the refing progresses with it, and I think uh, I, I think it definitely has. I mean, you'll have those calls, but I think 
I think it's the same thing with ghost sports right? with the players, right? You can go back and you can watch these points and how they're laid out, and and you're like, you thought it went one way, and you know a player claims that he got shot from this angle over here, from this player, whatever. And then you go back and you're like, no, dummy, you got shot from over there first obviously and then your refs can go back and actually kind of see it from a different perspective too and i think they now have this ability to um recollect things as they happen with ghost sports and be able to like go back to these old calls and be like and and get better and progress and watch film in the same way and, and like who wants to be on that field and make a call and have it be the wrong call right so yeah they're just in fear of that as we are i mean i i was deathly fear when dynasty won that point against houston heat like one of our first years where spicka ran through and hit the buzzer with seconds left or whatever mm-hmm. and uh you know we they referee made a bold call on the field and people went crazy and everybody's looking at me and i watched and watched the review and i was like dead on you, uh, I mean, you can't be afraid to make the call that's the biggest thing right yeah yeah so and so yeah i think the webcast has helped i think jason's jason's knowledge of the game and what the players are trying to accomplish out of it has really helped a lot too mm-hmm. and and but I, like i said i can't i mean the the referee group that we have now is amazing right like i, I like those guys i mean i, I always felt it's probably my fault but i always felt like a somewhat of an adversarial role with the referees right a lot of times because i was a player right mm-hmm. and you always think they're crazy um <laughs> and then when you work you know like all your complaints come from your consumer and you never really get to talk to the ref except when it's that hostile environment, right? Everything's where, where I'm like, I'm like, hey, why, 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 why do we make this call or whatever, right? I, I don't see the 900 calls that they make that are correct, right? So, um, yeah, I, I've been super impressed with the refs, to be honest with you. Because I know there's been there's been plenty of times throughout the years where it's been like you've been called over to the divisional fields where teams are quote unquote screwed over because of of poor refing and this and that because those divisional those divisional refs, um, I, I don't know, and I'm not blaming them or anything. I'm just, I don't know how, uh, I don't want to say qualified or what, or training. seasoned, seasoned, tra- and yeah, tra- yeah and, and trained. It comes down to training, right? It comes down to training, and that's on us, right? I, I, I like to, you know, you can't send people out to do a job they're not, they're not, they haven't been taught how to do. Right? right, and we've all done that in the past, right? I'm not going to say that I've never had some referees that that were fresh off the boat or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's a challenge to get 60. Pe- it, if you worked at Walmart now, it's it's a challenge to get 60 people to mm-hmm. come and be greeters um, and to care. You're trying to and to care, right? So we have a group of referees, you know, and so like I said, it all comes down to training. We shouldn't just be, you know, handing them a goggle and say, "Go out there and this is what a paintball hit looks <laughs> Good like." Good luck. Right? Good luck. You know, we, we need to find the ones that want to do it, that do a good job and give them advanced training and keep them in the system and make sure it's a good time for them. Make sure they're, I mean, there's a reason why they go ref and yeah. it sure isn't the money. Right. So yeah. Um, Not that Latin saints money for refing. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and we have an honorary customer base, right? Like there's an overall thing in sports that, that the consumer has gotten a lot more unruly and a lot more, belligerent right like it's mm-hmm. a it's a problem like in high school sports everywhere where the parents are fighting the referees and choking the referees out and all that stuff right um but i think and, this is different though because i think there's thousands of dollars being spent to to come to these events and to have some well, well i'm saying as from from a divisional player's perspective of the thousand you know the money being spent on the ticket on the entry fee on the paint on the this and the that and then to have it come down to a refing decision like Perfect example, right? So the rule where within 60 seconds, 
under 60 seconds, you get a major pe- major penalty, right? Not a minor, just a major. Major, yeah. That the point automatically gets assessed to the other team. Yep. How how do you alleviate a bad call happening in that that uh important of a moment? How do you I mean is that does that just come down to again training or, or how many of those mistakes happen before you maybe start to adjust the rule a little bit? Um, you know, it's a good question. Um, so one, very rarely does, should the game come down to that, right? I just watched an NFL guy and they had a, a bad call at the last couple seconds, right? And the coach is like, there was 59 minutes of football before that point in time, right? Mm-hmm. So we controlled the game all the way up there. Yes, that was a bad call, but we shouldn't have been in that situation. So people are always saying the ref screwed our chance, but if it, if it wasn't a tie game at that point, then you wouldn't have lost it anyhow, right? So, and not saying that's an excuse, but that's why we play multiple points. That's why it's a match-style format. It's not just a, a single game ever decides stuff. So, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would, it, I would be super mad. It, 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 and I get frustrated when I feel like we've, we've let a customer down on a ref call or whatever. But it, it, it's random acts of justice. Right. I learned a lot of my stuff from the NFL. Right. And it's random acts of justice. There's holding on every play. There's people running around in our game with hits every time. And so the referees catch some of them, some of them they don't catch. Um, And sometimes you get the the draconian penalty or whatever. So, yeah, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. There's not a lot of saints out there playing (laughs) other than the Latins. What are you talking about? You know, there's and that's one of the things. So when I go down there and um, that's one of the things I like about my role is like. I talk to the teams and I try and get like the real deal, right? Like I'm like, mm-hmm. look, I'm not going to judge you. If you tell me that you did wipe three goggle hits, but you're pissed off that the one in the foot they called you on later, just tell me that way, right? Because I can't, mm-hmm. I can't make anything better unless you tell me the truth. And and I will say most of the guys are pretty candid. Um, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so yeah, it's very rarely do I find a team that's been completely playing like saints all weekend that get like a really bad call. But it does happen. So how do you control something like that when it happens, like, uh, maybe not so much at the NXL, but at the ICPLs, right? I feel like I notice a lot more tendency to cheat and a lot more cheating in general. Is it because the refs that are refing at those events aren't as seasoned as the others or they feel like they can get away with that kind of stuff? Because I know there was an incident at, at ICC with I think it was like AC Dallas or something like that, and and right. and, and Dynasty, yeah, I, and then there I, I was also your... multiple multiple uh, happenings at the ICPL events of people cheating and just yelling and this and that. Stuff never happens at the ICPL events. Um, okay, so <laughs> there, there's two reasons why these things happen, seldom, right? Um, there's two reasons. One, one-off events are dangerous. I don't like one-off events, mm. and and not, this is not a shot at the ICC. Obviously, I, I know exactly ICC, what you mean, right? Though, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, but what happens at a one-off event is street cred becomes more important than consequences. So, so you're playing a one-off event with your friends, and something goes wrong, and so you want to make a big scene about it. Um, uh, shit, whatever. I'm not going to name names, but like, so you you go to <laughs> you, you really want to, to though. We'll go. To, We'll go to the Fight Club event, right? So there's an incident with the infamous guys, right? There's a whole big thing happens, and maybe someone did a dead man's walk. Whatever Where did someone this happen? did, right? At, at a Fight Club tournament at Aftershocks Field. Oh, Field. okay. I tried to drag Renick of these things to get shit after every time. but um, the, He doesn't listen. Yeah, it's okay. The, there's an event that happens at Fight Club. One of the infamous guys goes crazy. Um, 
and runs around and does a bunch of stuff, right, that he would never do at an NXL event. It's because it's a one-off event. What are they going to do? They're going to tell him he can't come back to the Fight Club event? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you screw something at World Cup, if Infamous got into a, a brawl with Impact at the World Cup, you wouldn't play the NXL next year. That is a real consequence to something that we're doing. Um, not playing a one-off event ever again, yeah. it doesn't matter to anybody. And then, and then it also comes down to the format. So, and I learned this, so I used to be the commissioner of seven man, the NPPL, right? Mm-hmm. So I was the actual, I was the Jason Trozen of the seven man. And um, when the PSP was trying to hire me away and we're sad, they're savages, right? Seven man was savages. Everybody's running around with hits. It's just crazy pandemonium, right? I arbitrated probably half the games, right? Because <laughs> at the end, just everybody's dead and looking to me to say who shot who first, mm. right? Um, I came over and watched the X-Ball and Lane and them, you know, were giving me a tour and showing me stuff. And I was like, these people play really clean over here compared to what I'm used to. And I realized it's the format because in seven man and in 10 man, that point is everything. You don't get a redo and there's no disadvantage. If it's, if I'm playing one on two and you shoot me, what do I lose by trying to put my shoulder into the hyperball tube and trying to take you with me? Mm. I lose absolutely nothing because I'm already shot. If I walk off the field, I lose the game. If I shove it in the tube and you catch me, I lose the game. But if I shove it in the tube and you don't find it and I shoot those two guys, I win the game. So there's no reason to call yourself out. Whereas an X-Ball or any type of match play, um, you, you let your team down by getting a penalty in a situation you knew you were going to lose anyhow. They end up having to play with four or three of the next points. You really cost them two points. And Unless you're a really good cheater. Unless you're a really good cheater, but that's the that's the consequences in X Bowl yeah. that you don't have in ten man, and and there's peer pressure. So in ten man, in X Bowl, no one wants to go out and play the next point of body down. Um, so mm-hmm. if you know whatever, yeah, if Alex no, Frazier know, gets a penalty, right? The dynasty guys are gonna be like, hey, you know, we, we can win this five on five. Let's not be putting us in a situation where we got to play on four. Whereas in the ten man, that game's lost. You don't get a second chance to play that game. And it's also ten man. So even if you get a major penalty, you still have. 85 six people guys left. Yeah. left or whatever it is plus it's harder to ref right it's just hard there's 10 people running around there's pandemonium people are running it's people. it's it's good um i do think we we made a conscious effort to 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 bring in some some quality refing for the last two events so i think the last two have been good mm-hmm. um but savages right you can so still yeah can only say. continue uh what you can do uh would you guys ever consider establishing a um a sportsmanship taunting penalty in the NXL? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it depends on when I want to lose New York Extreme, right? <laughs> I guess that's... that's well, the there's also been there's also there. been physical contact, too. Um, there was the whole uh, Mouse and and Rainy incident, and uh, I don't know, I think there's been maybe a couple other, like, chest-bumping things. And I know that there's there's we a whole, like, let them play... We, we, we had a whole brawl at the la- at World Cup. You know, it's funny. So, so you know, you have an incident, right? You know, let's just let's just say at the worst-case scenario is a fight in the stands, right? Mm. And everybody's like, this is why paintball's never going to grow, and this is why some stuff's not going to happen. And, and there's this thing called, like, the... And I can't... I don't even know the name of it. Like, when the best basketball players went to the stands and fought the fans... Right? Yeah, that was, there's still an NBA, that was fun. right? Yeah, right. There's still an NBA. So, you know, you're not going to take a bunch of people, put them in a high adrenaline place. That's why we like sports, right? It, it ramps up our adrenaline and it brings out all of these primal needs. We, you know, we feel good when we win. We feel bad when we lose. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it creates some drama, right? And so you're yeah. going to have a little bit of chirping. 
So I like the tripping, but I don't like the tripping, right? Because you know what happens, right? They, it, it just escalates it. Yeah, so. I mean, it all comes down to, you know, the the player's got to have the backup, whatever they're saying anyway. I just didn't know how much taunting, like, to the to the start box, to the other pit that, I don't know. I, I guess you can let it go as far as it'll go until it gets out of hand. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, you don't really want to decide tournaments on on stupid stuff, right? But it, it's a hard one. But you also, yeah, want to set, you know, guardrails. Yeah, 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 Do something. Yeah. Um, how did you get started with uh, with Bad Company and everything like that? Because I remember Bad Company was actually one of the first pro teams that I heard about because I had there was a gentleman who worked at Toledo Indoor Paintball, and his name was Colby Gallagher. Colby Gallagher, yeah, <laughs> and. He was one of the first pros that I was ever interacting with because he actually worked at Toledo Indoor. I was working there. Uh, that was my first job, actually, as a ref at that place. That's pretty cool. And I remember him <laughs> with this, the, all the Raven gear and everything and the spiders. And the, it was a spider AMG, I think. Yep. Yeah. And um, I remember he was just he was all about it. I remember his headband and everything. How did that team come about and how what is what was your involvement with that so i was one of the founding people we started me and some friends from school we started playing paintball and we got invited to go play for another team and we thought you know typical cocky kids we were like well if they want us to play for a team we should start our own team and we started bad company and we started playing a lot and then there was a uh there was a, a magazine article about Bad Company UK playing Bad Company Florida for the name, and we were Bad Company Maryland. So we were like, well, we're not even in the running. So uh, I made it my mission to play a lot of tournaments so we would be the Bad Company. Right. And we kind of went on the tour there and started playing and uh, started playing national events and started doing good. You know, we were probably, you know, in the heyday, probably the fifth or sixth ranked team, maybe fourth, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. There was always the aftershock. All Americans and the Ironmen were always better than us, but we were the, I mean, people talk about, you know, the same teams went over and over back then. It literally was just three teams won every tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were the first team to win one of the big tournaments outside of that group. Really? Um, yep. Yeah. At the Moundsfield in Pittsburgh. That was our, uh, where the ICCs played. Was that, uh, were you guys all Raven and Spider then? Or how did, how did no, those sponsorships come we, we were sponsored by Automag back then. We were sponsored by, um, yeah, by Automag. So the Spider Cup is the reason we got sponsored by Raven. Um, so I helped Deborah Dion and Ryan Krisky with the, with the Spider Cup in the Amateur Open. Mm -hmm. That used to be played in Pittsburgh. So I was pretty good friends with them, and I helped them run their events, ref their events, really. I just helped ref it. Um, I shouldn't say run. Um, and she said, look, there's this company spider. They want to do the spider cup thing. Can you come help them do that? And I was like, sure. And so through that, I met Tina Chang and Arthur Chang and they offered us a sponsorship deal, which was a, a pretty good sponsorship deal, ship deal for the time, but we had to use spiders. I mean, they were so, huge back in the day, right? I mean, they were huge and they were, the spider cup is where they gave away the Mustangs. Yeah. They gave away five Mustangs. Yeah. To dynasty. Yes. <laughs> which is the, you know, so it was the start of Dynasty there. Kind of the, my own downfall there was the start of Dynasty. But, um, yeah, they, they were huge. They were huge. Like, like I went in I went in to negotiate sponsorship stuff, and, um, you know, she's like, well, look, we're thinking, like, the full package head to toe. And back then, we didn't really do a lot of head to toe. You know, you had a gun sponsor, a goggle sponsor, a jersey sponsor. We weren't 
you know, most of the companies weren't vertically integrated yet. So sponsorship wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you really can't afford the whole package, right? Like, I don't know how much money you're looking to send. She's like, well, throw out a number. And I threw out a number and she was like, done. And I was like, damn it. I didn't ask for enough. <laughs> it's always um, how it works. Done. Um, so th- they were actually a great sponsor for us. I mean, it was, it was a good deal, but that's and, and you, you touched on that earlier. Like, so, you know, we had JC Whittington and we had all the players, you know, JC, Jason Andre. Yeah. He's a monster. He's great. And he's, he's a good friend of mine, but so, you know, and then he, my team got stolen by uh Tom four, Tom four went after all my players. Um, and so, yeah. I, so I feel like JC JC was very much uh, the he was the player that I thought was like the the tall and lanky player who played really well up front who could make himself really small like like I feel like Rainey plays a lot like how JC played. Yep, yep, it's a good analogy. Yep, yep, they play about the same. JC JC's got like um, I don't want to talk too much good about him because it'll go to his head, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a phenomenal player. And what's weird is he can come play now. And still look really good. Yeah. Right. Like, like he's he's phenomenal. He's he's as close as you're gonna get to it to a natural at the game, right? Um. And so yeah, no, he was phenomenal. And yeah, he played small, played back, played front, played every which way. Right. It was a one man wrecking crew. <laughs> um, that's actually the team he played for first was the wrecking crew. But really. Yep. Yeah. Before he played for us. How much of an adjustment was it to go from auto mags to spiders? Well, we went from angels to spiders. Oh, um, really? Even bigger adjustment. Oh, yeah, my God. We were from Angels. <laughs> so we were one of the Angel factory teams. It was us and, and uh, like, Avalanche. I didn't um, know you guys were Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were Angel. Wow. WDP. We got the big sponsorship the first year. We were the we were the big Brass Eagle team. Uh, they did, like, a tryouts through World Cup where you had to play for, you know, whatever. They were there all watching everybody to see who did it and who got this big, huge, whatever, million-dollar sponsorship package or something. Mm-hmm. And we won it. We got the package. Um and then the next year we went to Spider. Do you think the Raven goggles were as safe as they looked? Is that is that a trick question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they just look, the lenses on those things always look super sketchy. Um, I mean, I never had any problems with them. I mean, I yeah, I think the Raven goggles were fine. Yeah, I thought they were actually pretty cool. Yeah, I thought the whole Raven line was cool. I thought you know, I don't know, they were a good company. It was it was a really good marriage of sponsorship, right? Yeah. A lot of times I think people feel like sponsorship should just be companies giving teams money so they can play more paintball. Right. So we actually, you know, you got an entry level gun. Yeah. It's gotta be a compromise. And they they had an entry level gun. And then here we are, you know, we were placing top four at the world cup with, with a gun that cost a hundred dollars. I mean, that's, that's some marketing stuff there. Right. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a good gig. I remember one, my, uh, a good buddy of mine, actually my friend that got me into paintball was, uh, he he was looking at getting a, 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 Let's see what marker was it. He well, he the first one that he got that was an electronic, I believe, was uh, a Spider AMG, and I was like, oh man, this thing is so sweet. It's so cool. And company uses. It. I think he even might have got it from Colby. And um, <laughs> how did how did that happen? Because I don't really know that much about uh, Colby's background and how he got on the team and his association with the team. Being I out have of no goddamn. No goddamn idea. Might have come through Pisic, through the OBR group, or maybe he just come OBR, to try out. Yeah, maybe it was OBR. Yeah, and we had some far side guys too. So we had Rob Lester and Jason Andre come out from far side. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't really know how we ended up with Colby, but it's funny when I was typing in your phone number for this, his number came up, right? Because you're both from <laughs> yeah. that area. The, the, um, so uh, Colby's one of my favorite people. He's an official pointer outer. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know how he got there. Can't, I don't know how. Yeah. We played an event at his park too. That might have been something to do with it. I was gonna um, say, didn't weren't you we, guys at Toledo Window at one point in time? Yeah, we played a ten man there one time. Yeah, oh oh my god, dude, that place was so tiny. Yeah, it was crazy, and it was dark. Super you know, dark. You don't want to, and I can tell you, you don't want to play JC in the dark, right? You say what you want about it. You don't want to play him in the dark. Yeah, so. he's he's an animal. What whatever happened to JC? Why did he stop playing after? Um... He's still around. I mean, um, you know, he did the Arsenal thing, and 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 I, I just I don't know. He lost a little bit there, I think, when when that all kind of went south. Um, mm-hmm. and then he came. I think he came back to play for us. It's hard for me to tell. Um, he's played some fun tournaments with us for sure, but I think he might have came back to the team after that. Um. But I don't remember. So what did you do after the collapse of Bad Company? Collapse? Okay, the um, the <laughs> the disbursement <laughs> of players. So, well, after that collapse, we merged with Image. So we actually had Richie Malaszewski and a bunch of the Image guys playing with us. Um, so we continued to play, but obviously my skill level went down. Um, and then I took a position as the commissioner of the MPPL. So I worked for Kingman. So after being sponsored by Kingman, I went to work for Kingman. And then I became the commissioner for the NPPL, which basically is just the referee, right? It wasn't like a full-time job or anything. Mm. Um, I think I remember that and, now. Yeah, you commissioned. And uh, and then I got hired away by the PSP. And that's that's actually one of my biggest gripes with our sport is um, – and I'll throw this back at you and all your peers, right? <laughs> so everybody always talks about the refing, right? And they chap us and they talk about the refing and they motherfuck the refing. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that online, but yet very few of us go back and do it. You know, so they'll, they'll sit with me and say, you know, you and I could do this. We could wh- I could see every hit. And I'm like, yeah. So why don't you volunteer a year back? <laughs> you know, so I went back to be the ultimate referee. I actually just went and refed an MSL event, MSXL event last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, we have all these people that have, have arguably gotten a lot from paintball. Myself, I got a lot from paintball. And I think we should kick back, you know, and spend a little time in the trenches refing a little bit. And a lot of us, you know, once we're done with it, we put the cleats up and we move on. I've I always enjoyed refing. I remember the uh, the crew that we were with at Toledo Indoor. We actually got invited to ref a field at IAO yeah, in like two thousand two or three or something like that. I I've, I've always enjoyed refing because if I think if you care about something enough to where you make it fun of what you're doing and you're serious about it to where you're actually giving people a, a, an honest take every single time, I think there's there's no downside to it unless it rains. Yeah, rain bad. <laughs> then it sucks. Rain bad, cold, rain and cold bad. Yeah, makes it miserable. It, it's you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's refing it like obviously. So I ref that MSL, MSXL. I don't know why I can't. I say mix that. it up all the time. You know, and and it's fun for me, right? Because I, I I'm gonna talk shit to the spectators. Like the red, you know, they yell stuff at me. Like you know, you got a red flag in your pocket. I'm like, I'm not throwing a red flag for that pussy ass move. You know what I mean? Like that that's not worth it to me. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I, I think where I'm at now in my career, my life, I'm not too worried about that side. I'm going to do the best I can. But I could see as a new guy, it's stressful refing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Especially where everybody could see you. You know, like back, you know, when we grew up, you know, you could ref the IAO and not everybody can see what you do. Mm-hmm. Here, there's a million eyes telling you how you screwed up. See, there's another, I think that's another reason for, for the, the referee cycling is now you have the refs that are constantly getting chirped at on the spectator side. Or vice versa on the on the player side, now they're always they're cycling, so they're get, they get but to hear you, it from you, all angles. Do you think there's spots that are easier to ref? Right, like is the back corner easier to ref than the, let's say the snake? Fuck referee, yeah, it's easier. Right? 
You're standing right, there. So, so, so listen to this though. You're standing in this in the corner. F- the the most action you get is off the break. Yeah. Because then all you're doing is you're you're looking for hits off the break. But then other than that, you're pretty much just staring at the corner guy. And then if he moves, there's another there's another ref. What ten yards from you but, to watch that guy let, from let, there? Let's take that. Let's take that. So then that means that if I have a referee with less experience. I can put him in the back corner, and then I can put my best guy on the snake. Under your system, I'm going to be screwing that up. I'm going to take my weakest ref and put him in the hardest place to referee. And now you're giving him an experience to become an amazing referee. Whew. At the at the at the expense of a team. Well, <laughs> we but I, but I think it's well, I don't think it's at the that, right? I don't think it's at the expense of the team. I think it's the same. I think it's the same concept of of having belief in a in a newer player on your team and throwing him in a position to either get better. Or to get worse, and and really let him kind of decide his fate on that. Not putting anybody at peril, but more or less just giving giving somebody a a pressured position, and to sink or swim, and then to be able to give everybody yeah. that same thing. I, I I think that would at least give different looks and 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 be able to have some kind of uh, refreshment after every point because you have you have refs moving every spot. I would personally like to move around. I think. I think it'd be cool. I would get bored in the same spot. Yeah. Yeah, because you have those guys that are sitting there. You have those guys that are laying down the entire the entire day. Now you don't have those same guys laying down and the same guys standing up the entire day. Would I like to lay on my stomach the entire day? Yeah, sure. Why not? But now you don't have. You can't get comfortable. Yeah, until it rains. Yeah, that blows. But um, the laying down job is the worst job when it rains. I don't even think those are good spots to ref from. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should be facing the other way. Okay. Because how well, well, if you think about it, right? There whenever you're you're looking at somebody left or right or even who let's say you're laying cuz they're always facing or no, let's see. They face they face the uh, start box and then they turn, right? Or are they starting the other way? So they're watching they're watching the back insides. And the and the center back on the break, they're watching that inside lane when they run in. Um, and then obviously when things get crazy up in the middle, they move up. I'm by no means going to claim to be an expert on all their different moves, but so you only have two guys up there, right? Correct. So who does? And let's say on a basic breakout, you have you have on each on each side you have a front player and a corner player, and then you have one player in the center. So five players, right? Does that make sense? Theoretically, yeah. So, so who is that center player? Who, I'm sorry. Who is that that inside ref looking at on the inside? Is he looking at the front player or is he looking at the back player facing? And is he facing the start it box de- or is he facing the fifty? Depends on where they're at. So the problem is, is that each one of our referees is trying to cover two guys, right? So he's watching. So let's just say I'm on the uh, I'm on the snake fifty, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm watching the outside of the Snake 50 and the inside of the Dorito, okay? And theoretically, the inside I, – I can also look at the inside of the back, right? So yeah. The Dorito side back, right? So that guy in the center gives him a second set of eyes. And if you watch, they do these hand signals all the time. They're trying to dictate where they're looking to make sure that they're both looking at the – you know what I mean? So they're catching the different stuff. They're not both all looking at the same guy mm-hmm. all the time. So he frees that up. So that they can move around a little bit. Okay. I probably didn't explain that well, but I kind of, I kind of get it. I mean, 
I, there's obviously I don't think ever enough eyeballs looking at the exact point in time where it it, it matters because you know, there's so many variables that happen in paintball, right? But right. I think the only I think the only thing we can guarantee is that people are going to be running off the break. So we're just looking yeah. for you know looking for whatever. Um, would you ever consider bringing back the JT Ref Shield? There's a picture of me just recently got posted. <laughs> I know, I saw that. <laughs> shields. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know why we used them, and I don't know why we stopped. I mean, obviously, we used them because we got shot a lot. Yeah. Um, th- there's definitely a better refing system now so that they're not constantly jumping in the way of the paintballs um, the way we used to do it. So they do do those hand signals, and they really can't check them pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think at the ICPLs, they probably need to get in and check more because um, of the spray and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I got nothing against the, the ref shields, the JT ref shields. Yeah. I actually thought it was pretty cool. I thought they, I thought they were good. I mean, I think – I mean, I don't want to strictly say a JT ref shield. If some, you know, somebody wants a carbon ref shield or whoever wants to make one, I think – would you would you be yeah. opposed to it if a company came – a company, well, whoever? Well, the only weird, the weird thing about it would be the, uh, you know, the transparency from the outside world, right? We don't look like we're riot shields and kind of like that paintball's hurt that much that the referees won't get in the way. Might not look good. Well, I guess if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, I appreciate that. it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I, 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 I really do think you have one of the hardest jobs out there in paintball, and, and you take it like a champ one way or the other. But I think the, the best thing about it is that you stand by what you say, whether it be a mistake or something that you believe in. Um, either way, you have two feet on the ground, and I think you're doing a, a hell of a job at it. And you know, I wish you the best of luck this year and in the continuing years. It. And um, I, you know, I can't wait to see you sometime this year, whether at a 10-man or who knows, at an NXL event. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Maybe you can get on the uh, on the money train over there. <laughs> they can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. All we'll right. talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Later. Thank you. Bye. Tom, 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 Tom. Thanks, man. It was it was a blast. I really appreciate it, and uh, it was great hearing your side. We always hear everybody else's side and their complaints and their their opinions on everything. It was really good to hear yours and, uh, and your take on things. And, you know, he seems like he's really open to hearing other opinions and everything too. And he reads the comments and everything. So any replies, but, um, tough job, but stand up guy. Thank you, Tom so much. And, uh, if everybody out there, thank you so much for listening and thank you for the support. If you guys want to support more, uh, I have shirts, hats, beanies, um, coffee mug you can drink coffee with me while you're listening if you're on the road or whatnot uh, just head over to the playing on check out the store and see what you like and uh yeah let me know if you want to you know if you want to see something else or, or a different kind of product just hit me up and i'll make it happen but uh thank you guys for listening much appreciated and if you want to support in another way patreon.com slash the playing on podcast and like i said we're, we're gonna try and build this h2k brand and just make it as big as we can and uh, and really kind of focus on what uh, what it means. And I like I said before, I know I, I said I have a bunch of products in the uh, in kind of the universe that's slowly making its way. But um, I, know, I think it's good things to come. And thank you all for being so patient. And yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to be able to do this. So it's 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 awesome. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, please do not text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road. Listen to podcasts like this one. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.